We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not right now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. Gotta get some free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. It is our patrons movie selection for October. And the patrons, as always, picked us out a winner. Love and basketball. Classic, I guess, rom-com? Basketball drama, really? I did Not really a rom-com. Like, romance sports movie. There's not really a lot of sports movies that are just about the romance. Uh, as much as the sports. Excited to do this one. Big thanks to our patrons for picking this one. Especially our producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa. Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, and Chris Mikoski. Huge thanks to everyone who's joined the Big Screen Sports Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash sports, you can support the show. You get episode notes. You get scheduling updates. You get to vote on movies like this one uh, and Patrons Choice Topics covered by the show. The polls are up now for not only the Patrons movie for November, but also a I want to do a hockey movie in November, so I put up some choices for that. Go go pick us out a winner there. I believe Mystery Alaska is leading that, a, a movie I've never seen. So kind of hope it wins, um, but we'll see. Yeah, patreon.com slash sports Support the show. That help is always appreciated. And shout out to our producer patrons. Now for today's episode. Again, Love and Basketball. Now, this one is actually a redo. Covered this one way back when, right when I first started the show. I think it was under its original name, uh, which I'm not even going to repeat. It was so bad. Um, th- this one deserves a redo. Wasn't it my my best with this podcast? It was something that I wanted to revisit, give another shot. You can't even go find the old episode anymore. I pulled it off the feed, so don't try. Uh, but this one, I-, I was excited to cover it. Had Mike Schubert back on. Mike Schubert is the GOAT. Uh, I will say that this is a guy who, he's one of my favorite people to talk movies with. We talked Whiplash, I think about a month ago. Um, And there's also, there is no big screen sports without Mike Schubert. He has been just a huge asset, huge help to me as as I try to improve this show every week. He has a ton going on, hardest working man in podcasting. You will hear him go into his 
his new shows, uh, the newest Olympian, which is a a Percy Jackson. I don't want to say reread. He's reading it for the first time, but the same same style he had with his old podcast, Potterless, uh, doing an excellent job. And then Modern Muckraker, which is an original works. Uh, it is uh, he he'll he'll describe it better, but it's like an NPR show, but but covering ridiculous questions, but putting in the work. It's it's an excellent excellent show. Everyone go go check it out. Support Mike, all the work he does. Really excited to talk love and basketball with him on this one. Uh, next week, me and Alex McDaniel back at it with a Ted Lasso season two recap, season three look ahead. So, you know, if, if you want to participate in that, taking questions from the patrons, patreon.com slash big screen sports. Uh, with that, let's talk to my buddy, Mike Schubert, some love and basketball. All right. Returning to big screen sports. He is the hardest working man in podcasting. It is a guy who I always enjoy having on the show. My buddy, Mike Schubert. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm I'm doing great. I'm excited that we get to chop it up again. Before we get into that, you have all the stuff going on. So I lay do. it out for me. I've got quite a bit. I'll just talk about the, the new big things as opposed to every single thing. But uh, currently, as we record this, two of the four episodes of the Limited Run podcast I've been working on with a team of wonderful people for the past couple of months called Modern Muckraker is now live. It's a comedic investigative journalism show where we go over the top to answer hyper-specific pop culture questions. So, so far, the episodes that have come out are when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web swinging? And... Uh, is the budget of East High School from High School Musical realistic for a public school in Albuquerque, New Mexico? So if you've heard my past, you know, musings about High School Musical on this podcast, you can understand why that passion went into there. The next episode to come out is how many IHOP locations can you visit and eat pancakes at during one National Free Pancake Day? So just going super over the top, it'll sound like you are listening to an NPR show, but the questions we're answering are inherently ridiculous but we take them very seriously so that's going on and then just as far as an ongoing non-limited show uh i am now doing a podcast switching over from potterless which was harry potter now doing a new show called the newest olympian where i'm making my way through the percy jackson books to see if it's a ya series we've all been sleeping on as a society and uh, let me tell you folks it's good and we have been so that's been fun i'm making my way through the first book and yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. Really good book series, and that's fun. So that one is called The Newest Olympian. And for both of those, you can listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and they will be, the links to those will be in the show notes. I am someone who, I, and we were talking before we started recording, I need to, to get into Percy Jackson. I need to, to read it to my son. And as far as Modern Muckraker goes, the, the quality is incredible, fantastic show. Everyone needs to check it out. And I have always had the take that being spider-man and not living in new york so if you lived anywhere else as spider-man would suck it would oh, yeah. be worse than just being a normal person because you'd be like like i live in small town texas and it would just be like i'm spider-man i'm like i can't do anything i have these cool powers and there's nowhere to web like it'd be terrible yeah i mean you can hear in the episode but he he isn't the fastest when he gets into those smaller building areas definitely mm -hmm. a faster swinger when you're in fide and those big skyscraper parts of town yeah, like imagine like Spider Man in Des Moines. Oof. Like what a what a what a boring, terrible life that would be. Uh, but uh, Mike, let's get into it. We have uh, we have covered a lot of interesting. This is probably the most standard sports movie I think we have covered on this on this show. We are covering Love and Basketball, the two thousand basketball drama. Monica and Quincy love and play basketball together through many life challenges from a childhood to adulthood. Start Omar Epps, Sinai Lathan, and Dennis Haysbert. Uh, is directed by Gina Price Bythewood. 
I believe that is how you pronounce her name. I am probably wrong. Got an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. And fun fact about this recording, Mike is a first-time viewer of Love and Basketball, something that I was very, very excited about. I was very happy that the patrons chose this movie uh, and and kind of forced Mike into watching this. So I, I will kick it to you and kind of your first impression and also is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer? I think I think it is a starter movie and it's it's good. I don't think that it is necessarily a profound film. I didn't really know anything about the plot of the film before I watched it. I just figured based on the title it would be a, a basketball themed love story and it's pretty much what it was. It's a good movie. It's a good like, oh yeah, this movie's on TV, let's put it on, but I don't know that I would be like sitting down and deciding to to watch this movie in its entirety. Uh it's also a little long and it not much like happens like there's no necessarily big moral to the story or something you get more out of it like in a remember the titans where it uses sports as a way to you know share a story or teach a message whatever it's just like a good little you know sportsy rom-commy more on the drama less on the comedy film it's good but i'm not you know over the moon about it yeah, no, so for for me, this one, kind of like you said, it's not as rewatchable as a lot of sports movies or movies that like you and I have covered. Like I would I would probably rewatch Whiplash or something like that, something with a little more a little more pep. But this one it's a solid all-star for me. It does it does two things really well that I really value in this movie. The it does as good good a job with romance as any sports movie. And like in sports movies, it's one of two things. It's usually it's it's like there's a romance subplot on the side that sometimes is kind of bungled, but really in a lot of sports movies, it's just not not fleshed out. Like in Major League, you've got the the side action with Jake and you know Rene Russo's character and Lynn, but it's not like it's not what the movie's about. And or it's it's a rom com sports movie, and a lot of times those just aren't very good. Like mm-hmm. if if the romance is you know a big part of it, like for love of the game, it kind of drags the movie down. Whereas this does a as good a job with the romance aspect as any sports movie, and it banks a lot on that. Like it's you know it's I mean you look at the movie poster, it's like them kissing, holding a basketball. Like we yeah. are expecting a romantic drama and a, expecting something out of this couple. And so it's also a really interesting format. I like I like the how it, it how it's displayed. I like the quarters. Yes. And then I like that it, it is very difficult to span a large timeline, like a large a large number of years, and be effective like this. And you because you get them as children, you get them as high schoolers, you get them as college freshmen, and then you get them as young adults. And I think that part is really effective. This movie for me is just it's really really solid. Like yeah. just a it's really solid. It's got some holes, but it is, you know, it's, it's really good. Like, right. It's just a quality movie. Yeah. It's good. It's quality. I think it's funny with the quarters. I feel like I enjoyed the first, second and the fourth quarters of it. So the kids stuff, the high school stuff and the, the post college stuff, I felt like the college part of it was lacking aside from the plot twist. And we can get into this later. Aside from like the plot twist about his dad, I felt like that was the part of the rom-com. You know, they're always three quarters of the way. They're going to have the big conflict and then get back together. I felt like the conflict was bad. Like, it, it, the what 
Omar Epps' character, what Q gets mad at her for, what he's upset with Monica about, I think was not justified. I don't think his actions were justified. And then, like, I don't know that he did a lot either before or after to warrant Monica still having all of these feelings for him because in the college part, he was just kind of a jerk for the most part. So I think that's the only thing that I felt like was a little lacking. But yeah, overall, a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, quality elements like good soundtrack, incredible casting, lots of good stuff. The basketball is really good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted I think the sports part of it's really good. And because there's no like big dramatic sports thing, like there's no huge high stakes game or huge high stakes tournament or anything like that it feels like the the bigger drama push should be the romance and i just felt like the the conflict and resolution part of it was a little underwhelming which made me feel kind of in it and not over the moon about the movie yeah i mean you could argue that quincy being a bad boyfriend like just being a complete shitlord at 19 years old <laughs> the most realistic part oh, of the movie certainly yeah i just don't get why she like she can do so much better than him i don't know why she's like stuck why she's gotta she feels the need to get back with this dude it's like he kind of sucks You're, you can that's, be better than this monica <laughs> that's the i think that's the question i think at the end of the podcast we need to tackle that mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. should should Monica have just found herself a nice Italian or Spanish man and, and right. started a nice family overseas. Yeah. But um, I wanted to pull a, a couple bits of the IMDb trivia. Um, Spike Lee produced this movie, the great Spike Lee, you and Spike, both huge Knicks fans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, producer Spike Lee believed the female lead should have believable basketball skills, which is, I have been shouting that from the rooftops about every sports movie, me and Spike just, just seeing it eye to eye. Uh, the director said in an interview, I saw over 700 people for the part. Actors, ballplayers, people who had never acted before in their life. It finally came down to Sinai and Nisha Butler, a star player at Georgia Tech in 1999 Atlantic Coast Conference Rookie of the Year. Put Sinai with a basketball coach for two months and Nisha with an acting coach. And it looks like apparently Sinai Lathan with a basketball coach was better than uh, Nisha Butler with a acting coach. And I I think Sanai, I think Sanai looks great. Oh, she can hoop. And that's, I didn't know. I had not, I feel like I'd seen her and stuff, but I didn't know how. So Sanai is how you pronounce her first name. I want to make sure. I believe it is. And I I think, yeah, I, I I should have double checked it, but I, I checked it. I mean, pulling back the curtain, this movie was covered on a very early iteration of this podcast. And we are, we're doing a redo. It's been two all years. Right, all right. It was, it was, a, it was the early stages of that podcast. But I remember anyways, I remember checking it okay, then. Okay. And I'm pretty sure it's Sinai Lathan. I will, I will put it in the intro of the show. <laughs> should I be wrong? Okay. But no, she could, she could legit hoop. She's also ripped. So it was very believable from a basketball perspective. And similarly for Omar Epps, he has a good looking shot too. You can tell he's a little bit of an actor, but I feel like it's as believable as like Zac Efron in High School Musical where you say, oh, yes, this person knows how to play basketball. It's not yeah. Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds. Or yeah, they played they play, yeah. played some pickup before. Certainly, um, certainly. Has a, has a normal yeah. basketball shooting form that doesn't look yeah. atrocious. Yeah, I mean, he's not as good as, as pickup hoop legend Adam Sandler in the long oh, shot. Oh, no, no, no. He's good. Sandler, Sandler can ball. Um, after playing a smooth talking player and waiting to exhale, Dennis Haysbert was hesitant to play another cheater. He told Jet he took the role because then I saw the emphasis was going to be the father son relationship. That was something that was close to my heart. So Haysbert worried about getting pegged as like this, this cheater guy. And now we know him. He's we're in good hands with Dennis Haysbert. Yeah. It was very (laughs) interesting to see him in this role because I 
I wouldn't want to label this guy as the Allstate guy, nothing else. He was also, I believe, the president in one of the seasons or a couple of seasons of 24. So... Yeah, he's also Pedro Serrano in the oh, Major League movies, right. which means which means that him and Omar Epps were teammates in Major League 2 six years before, and wow. then Omar Epps was playing his son. That's wild. But yeah, I, I did find it very interesting in that the only thing I knew this guy for was the president or being the Allstate guy. So it was very interesting. But he did a very good job acting of being a dick where it's like, oh, this is like the nice guy or the president. And then to see him be just a huge jerk was very, very interesting. And it was funny because there were just like there were a couple different points where the way he talked, I was expecting him to go into an Allstate ad. There was one point where. He was he, he was he was giving advice to Q or saying something to Q when he when Q realizes he was lying and he's having that little one on one with him in his dorm room. He's like, Q, there is one thing I will tell you. And at that point, I was waiting for him to say, you could save an average of 10 percent a year. You know, <laughs> I was just waiting for the Allstate shoe to drop. I mean, it would have been it would have been incredible foresight if when they were having the discussion about, you know, him entering the draft or not or, you know, mm-hmm. and Q could have said. I risk injury if I come back to USC. And Dennis Haysbert saying with a policy from all states, exactly. he can protect from injury. When the injury plot came up, I which I didn't know was coming, it just made it even more where I was like, oh man, his dad's the Allstate guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, man, so funny that that's that's like, I mean, God, I bet this, I bet that Allstate gig plays good. Though. Oh, Hayes it's got. Oh yeah, yeah. But also a very yeah. convincing, you know, smooth talking ladies man with that voice, muscles good looking he's tall like yeah totally made sense very believable i was talking to this with my wife when we were watching the movie like how long how early in his life do you think someone first told him like wow you have a wonderful voice because that's like that's walk into a room he says something and it's like oh this guy i would what guess a voice. i would guess high school um just because i'm a very fortunate boy and that i also have a, a nice deep voice that i did nothing to to get <laughs> i didn't do you know throat pull-ups but in high school i i had a my, my voice has been very deep for a very long time and in high school all my friends moms were like you should get into radio and i was like i don't want to do that i don't want to be a radio dj and now i'm kind of in radio look at me go i, I don't want to i don't want to make my living talking into a microphone <laughs> who would do that i didn't even i mean podcasts were not around and if they were i didn't know about them when i was a kid i was like i don't want to be a disc jockey that sounds boring <laughs> Yeah, when we were in high school, it was you had to download it to your to your iPod. Yep, that's where and the then, name uh, comes from. So makes sense. <laughs> um, let's roll into best scene. Uh, I I picked a few in this one. Um, none. I will say that very few of the scenes in this movie. Like for me, it is hard to pick out a best best scene. I agree because everything in this movie is very solid and even. It. I don't think a whole lot stands above the other. There's not like one thing i really come back to you could say the one-on-one game at the end that's meant to be the you know the big client but there's i think there's other stuff that that you know hangs with that right i think it's a movie it's kind of like the way that a storyteller stand-up performer does a set like your mike brabigley is of the world where there's not necessarily big one-liners that you laugh about or key little moments but it's just the whole thing is good and there's some moments where it goes up uh in terms of you know in the comedy example here jokes that are parts that you remember and then here in the story like moments that are a bit more memorable but yeah i think it's like a big picture enjoyment as opposed to oh this part oh this part oh this part 
and maybe that's because there's not as many of those dramatic games and even when there are dramatic games we don't see them all like we don't see the the italian slash spanish tournament game Mm -hmm. we just get the dinner immediately after so yeah i i also was struggling to pick a best scene i almost feel like it'd be easier to pick a best quarter of the Mm -hmm. movie and for me i think the high school stuff is is the best um except for that they do not look like high schoolers at all (laughs) no i believe i i didn't look at uh at sanai lathan but i believe that omar epps was 27 or he was 27 and she was 29 because i didn't know that the movie would eventually get to them being about that age but at first you know when when that was happening i was like clearly there has to be scenes of them later because this is ridiculous they are so old yeah okay so the first scene I've got is, and, and this one I think is better in, in rewatch. It's the, the opening scene with it's the kids playing pickup hoops. Yeah. Uh, one, mm-hmm. because Candy Girl is an absolute banger. And yes. two, it is a great parallel to the end of the movie when they're playing one on one. It's I believe yes. it's on that you know that that same court. Also, mm-hmm. that that Clippers jersey he's wearing his dad's like th- I mean not a throwback then but a throwback now Clippers jersey and it's sweet. Sure. Yeah, it is fresh. That whole scene is very good. I definitely think it, it gains even more appreciation once you once you finish the movie. But the only thing that didn't make sense in it, at one point he shoots a, a shot from on top of the car in the garage. And uh, I don't know what kind of rules they're playing with where that wasn't out of bounds or where the other two players just decided, yeah, we'll let him crawl up on the car and not try to steal the ball from him. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't, I mean, I feel like, I mean, someone's parents are coming out and being like, get the hell off my car. I mean, he drained the shot. Very impressive. These, the little kids can hoop too, which is nice. But yeah, that was the one thing where I said, wait, how did this fit into the game? (laughs) Yeah, tough. I mean, you got to, got to impress the, the new girl next door. Yeah, that's what you got to do. The next one I've got is Monica's last high school game. Mm-hmm. I like the I like the in like the the inner head narration, mm-hmm. the pressure, like what she's thinking, the misshot. Not like it, it's a very interesting look. I like yeah, the, the, what's going through her head every time. I thought that was one of, I that might have been my favorite basketball scene in the movie. There, this movie has a lot of basketball, no mm-hmm. real extended set pieces, but there's a lot. But that might have been my favorite. Forty-four spray. Forty-four. Down four. Down four. You got this. Don't get tight. She's laying off. She's laying off. Pull up. Yeah. Yeah. Down one. Down one. Come on. Come on. D up. D up. Mine. Watch the ball. Watch the ball. Watch the ball. Now. Don't blow this. Cross it. Take it right. Watch left. Watch left. Yeah. Up one. D up. Mine. Mine. Play smart. One, play smart. You got this. You got this. Play smart. Play smart. You got this. Play smart. Don't put that out there. What? Reaching in. No! Yeah, I thought it was good. It was definitely the most standout-ish part of it because I don't think I've ever seen... I don't know if I've ever seen another basketball movie where it's from first person and definitely not where you hear the internal monologue, which I think is good because that's definitely how I play sports is just constantly kind of talking Mm -hmm. to yourself. I think at some points the filming was a little awkward where it didn't look exactly just right because at some points you would have seen her hand and frame and, and stuff like that. But I think as a concept, it was it was pretty cool, especially for the stress of the situation of I really want to impress the scout. The pressure's on me. I'm the captain of the team. I thought it conveyed that well. So, yeah, maybe that'll end up being my pick for for best scene i think these first two choices are very good though 
Yeah, when she when she gets to the bench and she's got those angry, frustrated tears. Oh, like I think everyone who's ever played sports feels that in in some regard. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. it is because at that point, yeah, she's you know she thinks that she has just blown her you know her chance. And especially because that steal was all ball. It was all ball. <laughs> Yeah. Also, yeah, that, for a previous... the refs, the refs, the high school refs are soft. Oh, especially when they give her that technical call. I was watching it with my wife as well, and she was very confused when that happened. She goes, "Wait, what did she do? She didn't do anything." And I was like, "I know. Unfortunately, those are the rules." She's like, "That doesn't make any sense." And I was like, "I know. It's very bad. You you should be allowed to stare someone down. That should not be a technical foul. If you just absolutely eat someone's lunch, you have earned the right to stare them down and make them feel bad about themselves for their poor life decisions." In testing you and not to be not to step on the most unrealistic part of this movie but if if monica is good enough talented enough to eventually start at usc as a freshman her coach is not sitting her for yeah. the rest of the game for a a technical that he knows was bullshit without the thing that wasn't clear there was that you have this scene later where her dad or her someone tells her he he, coach was trying to make a point but coach should have said that and especially when later on you learn she's she's the team captain i was even more flummoxed by that decision because yeah unless the coach is going to say hey you can't do this i'm gonna bench you for the rest of the game that was wild to me yeah when the coach like when the i think it was ucla is in the crowd at that one like mm-hmm. the coach is like fucking up her future because right. she got one bullshit technical which is yeah. really really tough scene and and also to go from no one is looking at you to usc was one spot away from you you would think that some other middling school would at least throw her some offers like maybe she would have had you know either a lower d1 like uh, rice university maybe hey, washington yo. state would have been in that ass <laughs> they would have been they would have been down from pullman trying to trying to pull her up like that's one of those one of those pac-12 Pac someone someone and and i think that probably could have been a little more believable if it was like not no one has given me an offer but no school that i care about has given me an offer mm-hmm. the next scene i've got and i want to preface this this is not a horny pick <laughs> the strip dorm room basketball Mm -hmm. because like i was saying earlier many sports movies get the romance part wrong yeah and it just this feels like something that a hypersexual 19 year old couple with very good chemistry who both love basketball would do and it's an extended look at them as a as a couple and we we can see that there is legit spark there there's chemistry between the actors I thought that was some of some of their stuff doesn't always work. I definitely did not need to see them have sex after the prom. Didn't like that. I totally going to talk about that for what did not work. <laughs> deeply upsetting. But that the the strip the strip basketball that worked. That yeah. was very flirty, hypersexual yes. 19-year-old couple. You're probably not doing that at any other age. It's fine. Let's go. Yes, super believable as a college thing. That is a thousand percent something that college kids would do, whether it's basketball or some other game like that. That's all. That's a classic type thing of like, you know, it's just us hanging out. Let's put some sort of stakes of some sort of stripping based game. Ha ha ha. Like 100 percent believable felt very college and they played it very college, which, yes, mm-hmm. I, I agree with your your pick here. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one, Quincy learning about his father's infidelity. That is the, the mm. conversation with the mom. I think yeah, it's, it's, a, tough. it's a powerhouse performance by what's that? The actress. It is Debbie Morgan who mm-hmm. plays his mom. And then it, probably the best, I think 
Omar Epps is the whole movie because it, the, it's kind of unfortunate that the next scene we get is like the first quasi argument mm-hmm. or like you know thing between him and um him and Monica when he's like telling her to stay and stuff like that. But the moment with his mom where you can see it shakes it shakes him like to his core because right. the foundation of everything he is is trying to be his father, trying to be that same stand up kind of man, trying to be this NBA player. And finding out that his dad was fucking around on his mom breaks him yeah, right and away. Especially because his dad had just told him it's not true. So it's mm-hmm. a multiple layered disappointment. Yeah, I thought that I thought that was good. I thought the mom played it really well. All the all the casting, the acting, powerhouse of acting. I let it be mm-hmm. clear that any of my gripes with the movie are more plot centered and less acting centered. Everyone in this movie is acting their ass off and doing a great job. 100%. Yeah. And it, it's a lot of people that you recognize from other stuff. It's a lot of that guys. Yeah. Like, but it's a lot of just solid, solid character actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even the, the little who plays the little girl of Monica, she's done. She's done a bunch of stuff like everyone. Dr. Doolittle. Yes. Right. She's in Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's a, I mean, a lot of like, I'm looking at uh, the guy who plays Monica's dad. Harry Lennox is like a that guy, like he's in mm-hmm. he's in state of play, and he's in, he's in just a ton of really good really good roles. He always like a lot of times he plays like a soldier or a police sergeant, right, mm-hmm. or or something like that. He's yeah. one of those guys, but he's well, just and just great. Monica's sister is the girl from the scary movie films. Yes, and yes. you know Gabrielle Union shows up <laughs> for part of yeah, it. Very, yeah, Tyra very. Tyra Banks shows Gabri- up. <laughs> I know. I, I had forgotten about that. I've seen this movie a bunch and like Tyra shows. I'm like, oh, it's Tyra. The, like what a what the, a remnant of the time. The only two times I spoke out loud while watching this movie is when Gabrielle Union is hitting on Omar Epps and I went, Gabrielle Union. And then <laughs> when Tyra walks in as his fiance in the future, I went, Tyra Banks. <laughs> yeah, we we've got some Tyra discourse to discuss as well here soon. Um the next one is I. It's a sports movie. I've got to include a montage when Monica is on the way up and Quincy is on the way oh, down at USC. And devastating. You kind of see how oh. kind of see how this is heading, and Woof. it's like you can see uh, it's it's good basketball mm-hmm. action for the most part, especially I think on the women's side. I think all the women's mm-hmm. stuff looks really good. Lots of slow mo for our guy Omar Epps. They're really especially when he's got to handle the balls really. It's probably not the best basketball in the movie, but it is. Yeah. You can see the indifference on his face post, mm-hmm. like being crushed by his father. You can see. I mean, it, it's a small commentary into what like your mental state does to you when you're playing sports. Yeah, I think it's hard to do an obviously he's playing bad basketball scene in a way that looks well, looks good, and translates on film, because any of the times I was playing poorly in basketball, it would just be like careless turnovers are like rushing too much it's not as obvious so i think that's just kind of like a i just chalk that up to the movie of they have to make it very clear that he's in his own head so the way they're going to do that is slow-mo and zoom ins on his face and him to like chucking as opposed to him you know doing things you would make tiny mistakes of in basketball like throwing a pass into traffic or like jump (laughs) passing or doing a you know double dribbling like little tiny things that aren't gonna make it very clear to the audience ah he is perturbed and that is why he is not playing well i see um next scene i've got is the one you already referenced when when uh quincy is visited in the hospital room by the all-state guy 
Uh, but when when Haysbert, I I, even, I wrote down in my notes, Haysbert is locking down all that Allstate money with that speech. <laughs> like it's a very reassuring speech. And this is back when tearing your ACL was like a death sentence for your career. Yeah, I was wondering about that. It was interesting because I know the movie was filmed in 2000, but it was like taking place in the past. So I, I didn't know exactly how devastating ACL was when they said ACL you know very much the the vibe around it was game over and my reaction in you know current 2021 brain was oh yeah he'll be out for a year he'll be fine yeah no like kevin durant blew his leg up a few years ago and then he was back in a year as best player in the world so right no it's um that that the reunion i guess because we you know we're under the we're told that they have not spoken in five years and i i feel like haysbert's character in this movie only owns like one shirt maybe two shirts i feel like he's wearing the same i feel like he's wearing the same thing all the time he's probably not but i got the vibe like it, he hasn't he hasn't really changed clothes in five years but um it's that reunion is good and then the last scene is um is the one-on-one i mean mm-hmm. that's the you know they they the lead up to that mike your thoughts on ending your engagement two weeks before your wedding after a game of one-on-one yeah i mean doesn't feel super believable and it it just it doesn't feel super believable for we haven't spoken in five years but i've wanted to it wasn't even like a notebook thing Uh, you know he said he tried to call a couple times you know but it didn't feel like this was a i've loved you for five years and just haven't said anything moment maybe they could have played that up more but yeah a, a bit wild to two weeks before to do it and then also like he still did win and he won with a dunk so like incredibly intentional and then only afterwards he was like oh wait a second actually i wanted to lose double or nothing uh, it was i don't know it just it felt like it was supposed to be this big moment and i felt like it just didn't hit super hard you and i have both had weddings and the, the thought of canceling a wedding two weeks out is like i mean not just not even taking into account like the actual relationship aspect what happens in a wedding but just everything that goes into a wedding and Mm -hmm. oh that that would be that's a lot of tough phone calls and not just wedding but professional athlete son of professional athlete wedding which feels like that would be a wedding on an even bigger scale in terms of number of people invited dollars invested the venues the photographers all that stuff feels like it would be probably a six-figure wedding yeah, at I, least a six-figure wedding probably i don't like stuff that i couldn't even fathom but it feels like that would cause quite the hullabaloo and we don't even know what tyra banks's character's career is and stuff but she comes in incredibly well dressed so it feels like she might also i will come say they mentioned family. they mentioned that she was a stewardess oh they did okay i i completely so, missed that but i mean still like well dressed I mean, quincy yeah quincy's paying for that wedding anyway he's in the nba he's a journeyman right. but he's still in the nba and his dad was an nba legend like they've got money money yeah yeah so what did I miss any of your favorite scenes or anything Anything that stands out? I don't think so. I think you pretty much nailed it. As I was saying, it's kind of hard to pay out individual scenes, but I feel like you kind of checked all, all the boxes there. What would you say is the best? I think I might go with the intro one just because I think it does a good job of setting up the movie. I think that the there's the fun reveal just in the very first place where 
Monica's pretending to be a boy and then is a girl and then she's good. Um, the the push and the cut thing was was surprising. I didn't see it coming. That's in the IMDb trivia. Sanai Lathan actually has a scar on her face. That's what I was gonna say. Cheek. It looked so. the her scar looked so real that I thought did did what was the chicken and the egg? Did she have the scar and then they wrote that in because it didn't look like a fake scar. And then at first when I was watching the movie when they had the scar on the girl, I was like that looks like a really specifically shaped scar. Uh, and then it looks identical to Sanai's, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Um, there was a lot of me watching this movie and going, huh? And then when stuff happened later on, I was like, oh, that makes much more sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think the opening thing, it sets the stage well. It, it plays well. It's also funny. They have such a classic middle school relationship of oh i think this girl's cute we've talked one time do you want to go out with me uh okay we're going out we're supposed to kiss now and then oh we have to break up <laughs> like it felt incredibly believable um and the throwback nature of it was fun from the throwback jersey to the old school house and car and all that stuff uh it was good mm-hmm. I-, I think the opener i really liked that this movie started when they were kids yeah i think that's i think that's i think that's a really good pick i am gonna go with monica's last high school game for other yeah. reasons we talked about Very i think good. it's i think it's a really good sports scene mm-hmm. um i like getting inside her head there yeah uh, yeah that's you know i i feel like you could you could go with just about anything it's like um you know they're all replacement level players like they're all just just solid mm-hmm. real real solid scenes nothing really stands out um let's take a quick ad break and, and get back with best quote we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so best quote. Um, I weirdly, I wrote down three. One of them is the one that the movie is like supposed to, you know, it, this is supposed to be, it's when uh, Quincy says all's fair in love and basketball, which like Leo pointing at the TV meme. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two from Monica's coach, who we haven't talked about Monica's coach yet, but I really like Monica's coach at USC. Not that the high school coach, that guy, that guy didn't know, but uh, <laughs> offense sells tickets, defense wins games, which like, she she did not foresee the modern NBA. No, not at all. But it's okay. And defense is still very important. But yes, I thought that was that was a very classic quote. I, I have a bunch written down that I'm happy to to rattle. Okay, off yeah, rat, roll, rattle them off. Um, I already talked about this moment, but the quote from kid version of Q saying, "I think we ought to kiss now" was very funny <laughs> and just took me by surprise. Um, I also love when kid Monica is making fun of the Clippers and said that the Clippers stink, and then quote, "Last time they won, Doctor J was a nurse." <laughs> 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 which is very good. Um, that is good. Let's see. I also had 
let's see um oh <laughs> the scene that this made no sense at all when monica and q are in his room in college and the guy just opens the door and goes yo dog about to order some wings and then q goes <laughs> no thanks and then that's it <laughs> <laughs> like i get the whole i guess the whole thing of that was to justify why q locks the door was just to let you know that he does have a roommate so i thought i thought that i, was I will funny. say though you know that guy's end though because like he's about to order some wings but he could use some money mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like because mm -hmm. q i mean again q yeah, came yeah, yeah. for money yep. so it's like hey dog we're about to order some wings and I was gonna get the, the cheapest option, but if you chip in for wings, we might be able to get a lot more wings than I originally planned on. That's a good way to think about it. Uh, I also laughed out loud when when the coach is finally revealing to Monica that the reason that she wants her to start again and the whole reason that she's been hard on her this whole time is because she sees her potential, classic coach move, when all of the girls are going, ooh, like you're in trouble. One girl goes, is she pregnant? Which was really <laughs> I wrote down the line what the coach says. Do you think I'd go horse for a player with no potential? Would I ignore you? Then you worry, which is the most mm -hmm. real college coach shit ever. Yeah. Because like there was a period when I was in college where my coach would only yell at me if I was in trouble. Like if I had done something mm -hmm. wrong, not yeah. about my play. And it was like, that's that's not a good sign whatsoever like yeah. when they're like mad about you how you're playing it's like oh they're they're wanting something out of me that's good right i i think that that was the the next quote i had written down the last one i had and i think that is my genuine pick for best quote as opposed to these silly things i thought it was good i thought it was a good reveal for the coach i think it makes sense and is believable and it's and it's nice to to see that this coach actually did trust in Monica. She is not just, you know, like the other players are trying to say she only made the team because what's her face got pregnant. I'm glad mm -hmm. that the coach actually does see some some quality in her skills as a basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. What um what for you is the the most realistic or authentic part of this movie? I think the basketball. I mean, I think just like the play of it. There was never a shot in it and this makes sense because it's a Spike Lee movie, but you watch some of these sports movies and there's always like one thing that doesn't make sense the, in high school musical dude being wide open under the basket for the game winning shot or some of these other things, just things that just don't make any sense. There was not even a single shot that didn't look like legitimate real basketball, whether it was a good moment like the game winning plays or the charge or a bad moment like Q struggling or Monica losing on a bad foul call or even, you know, the technical, all that kind of stuff. I felt like the good stuff looked good, the bad stuff looked bad, and it didn't feel cheesy or forced or too cinematic. It looked like genuine sports. Mm -hmm. And they gave us a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so what I had is the, the most realistic, and this kind of goes into something I think worked really well about this movie, is that it goes into what the reality of, of women playing basketball and having professional aspirations look like before the WNBA. Right. And it being just about overseas. Now, make no mistake, most a lot of top WNBA players still go overseas to make extra money because they're not paid nearly enough in the WNBA. But it showed kind of what the reality is. It is either live overseas for most of the year and you know, like Monica is kind of dealing with being alone, being in an unfamiliar country that, you know, that whole, that whole sort of thing, or come home and work at a bank because there wasn't any options, you know, pre WNBA. So I thought that was, I thought that was a really cool aspect of the film and not cool. Like it was not cool that there was not a women's professional league in, in America that, that paid well enough. But, um, I, I thought it was, 
because because it, it the movie was made in retrospect like in yes. you know the WAV was around when the movie was made so i thought i thought that was a really interesting look because i don't know and I, I might be missing something but i don't know if there were any other basketball movies that focused on a woman because i would say the basketball in this movie focuses more more on monica yeah, like I clearly, was, like I it's like seventy thirty. I mm-hmm. I wanted to see her stuff way more than I wanted to see Q stuff because I found her journey more compelling. But yeah, it took me a minute. I forgot that the the most present time there was nineteen ninety three, and I, my brain kept telling me two thousand because I knew the movie was made in two thousand. So for a little bit, I was yelling at the TV, "Why is she not talking about going to the WNBA? <laughs> like, what is happening here?" And then I remembered, "Oh right, they said five years later, it's nineteen ninety three." Uh, and and then it made sense. And then, it, of course, they have the flash forward again. And then you see she plays for the Sparks, which is super cool. But, yeah, I thought it was a good, accurate representation of it. And I appreciate that it was never it was never like a cheesy thing. Like it was a good job of representing what it was like without feeling forced. And it felt genuine and authentic. And, you know, the real struggles that these players have to deal with. And I thought it was, I thought it was good. And I'm glad that it eventually ended with her being in the WNBA, being on the sparks. And, uh, I, I thought that was really nice and really well done. And, and, you know, no surprise that that Spike Lee helped make that happen. He's got a good finger on the pulse of what the leagues are like. And, it was it was an interesting way and a problem that it was an interesting thing to see and a a fascinating problem that you know women players had to deal with back then and and still have to today. Hopefully that that can eventually go away with the WNBA getting more and more love and and money and better you know marketing and everything behind it. Mm-hmm. That goes into my least realistic though. Uh... Monica and and Sidra, her teammate at USC, would have a hundred percent known oh, that the other was playing in the league. I, that would I not have been I, a surprise. I think I have that word for word in my note. I think I have. They one hundred percent would know that they were playing against each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. Just, I mean, there's just there's no chance. Like they're walking out for the championship game. It's like, oh hey, you're on this team. Like you wouldn't have looked at our roster. Like, <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, you like your come coach on. wasn't like prepping you. I get that you don't speak Spanish but you should at least be able to know who you're playing against in the champion in the the vague championship game as they always refer to it uh of the IWBA or whatever it was I don't even know if that if that's a real thing or was a real thing in 1993 but yeah that I instantly I thought there's there is no way and also because they kind of hated each other like she totally would have had this game circled and she would have like been telling her teammates like this is how Sidra plays I know her weaknesses she's got a bum knee like you know whatever it was I feel like that was certainly one of my least believable elements yeah did you have anything else for least realistic um, let's see. There were a couple, there were a couple things. I mean, first right off the bat, like when they're in high school, they clearly look like 27 and 29 year olds, especially yeah. when he, when he, at one point, like he takes off his shirt and you're like, Oh my God, you're that's, so that's a grown man. You are not 18 years old. And I, I couldn't tell, but like there looked like to, there was a tattoo covered up. I don't know if Omar Epps has a real tattoo and they just poorly covered it up or something, but, uh, I feel like the makeup department might have missed a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, that was in the, that was, it was filmed in the late 90s. So that was the age where guys had the random, like, one off tattoos. Like, it was like mm. kind of pre sleeve culture. So gotcha. that, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely could have been a thing. Yes. The, I think the biggest thing though, that I have for what didn't work is uh, I'm going to take a term from a very good podcast, a very good podcast, The West Wing Weekly, where they just do weekly, or they did, uh, covering, you know, episodes of The West Wing one by one. 
they make fun of something that they call either CJ exposition or DJ exposition, where if the character CJ or someone on the news or the radio just exposition dumps and it's very unbelievable. I think DJ exposition finds his way into here because there's so many music choices that are way too literal. And <laughs> the, even the lyric of what is happening matches up so the first time this happens is at the dance when they're doing just got paid but one of the lines is you fine young lady and that's like exactly when they pan to monica looking at q and then later in the high school dance they're playing i want to be your man while q is staring down monica dancing with college boy and monica staring down q back that was like very very literal and then even later on when they're playing the one-on-one and he's looking like he's going to beat her the song is something to the effect of you've made such a fool of me like there are just so many a lot of the music was really good but i think some of the times when the music was supposed to be emotional it was just way way too literal can we talk about the prom scene because that was wedged in between what worked and what didn't work because it worked but in like a bat like i want to talk about quincy's shirt Oh, I had that down. Quincy shirt. I love it. Quincy shirt rocks. And (laughs) so, so but that's one of those 90s shirts. I can't tell if it's like incredibly comfortable, like silky, almost like pajamas, or if it is just horrifyingly itchy. So I, in college, had my my girlfriend and I at the time, our thing was watching How I Met Your Mother, which in retrospect, I think kind of like tells a lot about how well that relationship uh, looks (laughs) going back. Uh, <laughs> so one year she got me the Barney whatever is uh, Neil Patrick Harris's character's suit pajamas um and they were like that silky thing but because it was you know some internet how I met your mother crap they were not high quality so it was silky but very polyester so it was soft but very hot and then just like held in any smell so I wore them maybe four times and then they were just completely unwearable even after washing they would smell horrible so that's what I imagined soft but very very warm and just kind of attracts the smell and does not let go of that odor Yeah, I mean, and let's face it, that's not a shirt you should wear twice anyways. The shirt that Quincy has on. But it was good. good. It was powerful. (laughs) Monica's date, way too old, way too horny to be that high school prom. But, like, weirdly believable for a college guy that would go to high school prom. It's one of those, it's super (laughs) creepy, but also feels incredibly on brand. Like, the type of kid in college I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go to prom, would be that weird. That's that's a very, (laughs) that is a very, very good point, because that dude stinks. Mm Mm-hmm. Way too many lip bites going on. He was lip biting after every word. Way too much. Uh, I, I also think right in the middle of not working and working was the sex scene. I didn't like because the movie has told us canonically these people are 18 years old. Granted, they do not look 18, so it doesn't feel weird. But like, it, it, I this movie was it, one of I was walking. It was funny. We had already decided to do this movie, and I was walking past Bryant Park in New York, and they were doing this October movie in the park thing, like through September and October. And this was the movie they picked. Which before I that's watched a, that's it, that's a like, big that's wide cool. sex scene to be I on. I feel like they might have had the uh, uh, TV, you know, uh, the the, PBS the TV edit. edit. Yeah, like they had to have the TV edit, right? Because like just that was, too... it was long, and the the music was very sensual. Yeah, and um. Per my wife, she definitely didn't orgasm. So take that for take that for what it's worth. But the movie, the movie appears to make it seem as though she has orgasm. And my wife goes, she did not orgasm. Yeah, I, I think though what does put it on the what does work is like I do at least like that he uses protection and asks, do you want me to stop? So like I'm glad protection and consent found their way in there. But yeah, that's that's great, especially still, in, still in 2000. That's great. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's I I didn't need they they could have implied it i I think they could have easily easily implied it i didn't need you know we especially because like 
it wasn't like we weren't going to see them be sexual later. We we saw them in college. It's a co- totally different thing. Right. And uh, especially, yeah, it was. Uh, you could have just like it, it could have just been a scene where they like they go inside and then you close the window. Like we don't we don't need to see it. We get it. We yeah. didn't need to we, see it. We know what's going on in there. Especially because it was like she was clearly like wanted if it was still uncomfortable. Like she's covering her chest and stuff. Like I don't I don't need to see uncomfortableness of it. Like you know I, I, I especially because uh, Quincy is like in this movie Quincy is a super horny dude. Like yes. the whole movie. Yeah. Very much so, so. We yeah, we know we know what's going on, but um, let's let's go into what worked about this one. I thought it was, I thought they did a good job of developing both main characters, their home lives, their drive. Mm-hmm. Like they they centered around these two people, but it wasn't just about them. What are their home lives like? What are their interests? You know, what drives them in life? How are they influenced by their parents? Because we we get parent stuff on both sides. Like yeah. They, they went they went deep in what makes a person in their entirety so i thought that i thought that was a very effective way of storytelling and developing these characters yeah i thought that was really good i think the family stuff is is potentially the best part of it and and i think that's why i was frustrated with what i would say what didn't work is like the college years of of the relationship um just didn't seem to really hit and there was a lot of interesting stuff going on all everywhere else in the plot except for Q and Monica and I think that's what was also disappointing because everything else during that quarter was good it's just the romance part and the the reason for the fight just like I don't know and even when he holds it against her he's like you weren't there for me it's like yeah she said do you want to come to my room and you said I don't want to run into anybody like that's not a legitimate excuse Mm -hmm. Uh, like she has a legitimate thing she cannot you know uh, uh she can't she has to abide by the curfew you just like don't want to maybe run into someone on campus like Put your head down and and just brush people off. If yeah, uh, uh, that was that was frustrating. I felt like that's where like Monica could do better. Like this guy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no. As far as what did work, I do think that the family stuff was really good. Um, I think understanding like the the character arcs of everyone like really made sense, and I th- I thought all of that worked out really well. We've already talked about like the basketball working really well, and mm-hmm. and and other things like that. I like that they explain that Monica got that late USC offer because one of the commits got pregnant. It still doesn't, like we said, there would have, she would have had some other interests, but at least I I like that they brought it because it was, I had forgotten that that was like, that was a line in the movie. And I was going to put like, man, like, you know, she, she gets recruited by USC at what it's probably like March of her senior year, USC says, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go. Or whenever, you know, whenever prom is probably even later. Right. And, um, you know, I, I thought that was good that they were like, yeah, one of our commits, you know, got pregnant. It isn't coming anymore. So we need to, you know, replace a point guard. We got this kid locally like that. That makes sense. That could happen. Now, if it would have made more sense if she, you know, was headed to a different school, if she had mm-hmm. at least one other offer in hand. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also think just overall, I think Monica's career arc, her her almost everything arc except for like still having feelings for Q, like her, her <laughs> whole arc worked out really well. The career arc made sense from the high school thing was believable. Like you just said, the, the late scholarship ended up making sense. W- the way things worked out at USC where the coach was really hard on her, but then she got this opportunity because the player got hurt and then she thrived in her one chance and... Then, you know, she went on to, to play internationally and then eventually go to the WNBA. Once that started, that all felt super believable. And I thought it worked really well. And at no point did it feel hokey or gimmicky or forced. It felt like something that could a thousand percent work. So 
I I really mm-hmm. like that. Even her having to like get a job at the bank and doing it because her dad was a successful banker, like yeah, all of it made a lot of sense and it felt very grounded, which I really like about this movie is, you know, it's it's kind of like Ladybird where it's like just a very believable story and mm-hmm. that's what makes it compelling. I felt like that was that was this too. Like there's not a lot of wild things that you don't expect to happen. And even on Kevin too. I the, really like yeah, I really like that aspect. Yeah, mm-hmm. that they didn't they didn't they didn't have to stretch really anything. It was just like we're going to tell this realistic story and we're going to let it play out and we're going to mm-hmm. tweak a few things here and there, but this is kind of how things would go. And like, yeah, Q, young, you know, son of a son of an NBA player, longtime NBA player, a guy who works in a front office or, you know, is a scout or whatever, has a lot of talent, you know, this this personal, you know, this this struggle kind of has a mental struggle during his um, during his freshman year decides to opt out come out way too early that's a thing that we see that happens all the time guys come out before they're ready um especially you know especially back then uh you know especially when you're when you're coming out like the guy the other guys who were in the draft you know there's some high schools mostly it's like upperclassmen mm-hmm. and so you're you're behind the curve in that regard anyway so yeah, I I thought I thought almost everything they did with the basketball they handled really really well. And then, you know, having the the Epps and Lathan both have fantastic chemistry together. Yes, I think um yes. I I think they're both they're both good. I that doesn't like Monica still should have explored some different options in her <laughs> in her life romantically, but I thought that on screen they were they were very good together. 100%. Again, like I said, I think I think the acting is there. I think it's just like the plot could have you know had a little couple of tweaks in that section to make the love more believable or the conflict more believable Mm -hmm. what didn't work that we haven't talked about yet i feel like we kind of already talked about everything that that didn't work i feel like we kind of started with that so i don't know if there's anything anything left to really really be i have one thing that kind of relates to you saying the music was really on the nose Mm -hmm. when they're showing kind of at the montage when they're showing that q is starting to have trouble when he's playing and stuff and things aren't going well and they get beat by temple temple comes into los angeles and and beats usc one of the guys as they're running off the court one of the guys from temple goes yeah baby we won like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was that's that's not being said like that's that's not being said yeah i also think similarly uh fans booing uh, the high school monica felt wild and even booing q in the usc game like you're never gonna boo your your peers or younger people like that like that's that i think is something that exists solely in the pro basketball world where even at a college game at a school that's good at basketball i don't think that they would boo uh, their their players that that feels like it's solely reserved for the nba and the w yeah yeah so uh, Tyra Banks's character, the the fiance of Q, the former stewardess, gets kind of not cast in a bad light, but is like the you know she's not right for him and stuff like that. And Monica is looking, is creeping into uh, Q's Q's bedroom, watching them like pack stuff up, and she is seen, she is kind of seen like Tyra Banks's character is kind of seen as like. You know, he takes like the the plastic cue off his wall and wants to bring it, and she's like, no, and it's like. It's Why is that decision. a bad thing? He, yeah, he does not need to bring justified. <laughs> does not need to bring the cue from his childhood bedroom to go put up in whatever house he's going to share with his future wife. Yeah, if we weren't supposed to like Kyra or Kira, who is Tyra Banks' character, I did think it was very funny when he was like, "This is Kira," and I wanted to be like Kira Banks, <laughs> um, especially because I was watching with the subtitles on, so it was like spelled Kyra at first, and I was like, "There's no way," and then they pronounce it Kira. I was like, "Okay, that makes sense," but. 
I, yeah, I think she wasn't, if she was supposed to be painted as you're not supposed to like her, I thought she was perfectly fine. She was very nice to Monica, didn't have any sort of jealousy eyes. It was very much just, oh, I've heard so much about you. You grew up together. Uh, I think that implies that Q maybe didn't say that they dated and stuff, Mm -hmm. but might have left out of, left Mm -hmm. out a few things. Probably, probably a big surprise. I mean, yeah. I hope Kira found herself someone great because right. that is a tough, I mean, that, I that might be something that didn't work about this one. That, like just thinking about like when they, you know, they're together at the end and like, she's playing in the WNBA game and there's Q on the sideline with the baby. Like there's, there's a woman scorned off screen. Right. I really hope, cause I, I hope that Kyra Kira found someone good because I agree. I didn't, I did not feel angry at her at any point in time. I was just mad at Q for, you know, moving on without, really trying to make something happen with Monica. If he, you know, still had lingering enough feelings to eventually want to throw away his wedding, you feel like he would have made a bit more of an effort than, oh yeah, I called you a couple times over the past five years. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is, uh, feel, I feel yeah. for my girl. Feel the only, for my the girl. only other thing I had it's similar to that of not working is why, why are they both moving out of their parents' house at exactly the same time? And why is it five years later? Like, you feel like this would have happened earlier or, like, the exact coincidence that Q... Maybe for Q, it's because he's about to get married, but, like... And maybe Monica has just left the... Why is Q left... bringing stuff from his childhood bedroom is the thing. Right. Because, like, yeah. so he's probably... It's, it seems like he's a journeyman. They, they say, you know, he's trying to catch on in a couple different places. Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, he's in L.A., but, like, just leave the shit in your childhood bedroom. Like there's no, no one is taken unless she's like, unless his mom was literally like, get this shit out of my room and get this shit out of my right. house. It just felt awfully convenient that they're both doing this at the exact same time. I get it. It's a movie. You got to do what you got to do. But like, I feel like the more normal thing would have been like, I don't know, maybe his parents would have put it all in a box at some point. Like my parents kind of, I, I've never lived with them ever since graduating college and, and things would kind of slowly change where it's like, Oh, we put all of your, you know, this in a box go through it like every time i came home Mm -hmm. i would go through a box and we would keep stuff and you know donate some clothes whatever it is i feel like that's a more normal thing than we've left your room perfectly intact for five (sighs) years but now you must (laughs) you must do it you gotta get it out yeah (laughs) two weeks before your wedding you got Mm -hmm. nothing better to do come get all this stuff out of your room get this plastic cue off the wall (laughs) yeah that would that cue would stay up there forever it would not get touched Unless like, and that's a huge house, and I assume she lives in there alone. So I don't think mm-hmm. she like, I don't think she needs that room. Like that's not turning into her she shed. Yeah, that's just, especially just given, a room. yeah, given how big the house is. Right, it's a big house. They only have she only has one child who doesn't live there anymore, and she's single. Like she's she's got the space. Yeah, or maybe she she's sold the house. <laughs> Love and basketball too is is Lisa gets a roommate, and <laughs> and they and they start to. She starts to rebuild her life a little bit. Um, Kevin Costner, Freddie Prince Jr. Award for Best and Worst On-Screen Athlete. We kind of covered that. Sinai Lathan looks awesome. Um, yes. Everyone else looks either good or passable. Uh, yes. Omar Epps looks passable. He's not the best athlete in the world, but he doesn't drag the movie down. And mm-hmm. in, in this role, that's that's what's important. You just can't drag the movie down. Agreed. Yeah, there was there was no one that really stood out of like, oh, they're they're a terrible sports actor. So I don't know. I don't know if anyone was there. Maybe maybe if i had to pick someone i'd pick the actress who plays uh sidna i i don't think she was like particularly 
but they also didn't like show her doing a whole lot of stuff. Um, so maybe they kind of edited around that. But yeah, there was no one in it where I was like, wow, that's, you know, Corbin, like no one was Corbin Blue in High School Musical. But like that dude does not know how to shoot a basketball. <laughs> uh, the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. This one is tough it's because tough. we were just, yeah, we were just saying like, this is a, this is a well acted movie. Like you could name almost anyone in this cast and I would not fight you on it. I wrote no. down, I wrote Dennis Haysbert as Zeke McCall. He's, he's awesome. He's really, really good in this movie. Probably, I don't want to say the best Dennis Haysbert, but like Pedro Serrano is an iconic character and mm-hmm. like the Allstate man, you know, in good hands. But he's really, really good. Uh, Debbie Morgan as Lisa McCall, she's great. Uh, Alfre Woodard as Monica's mom, she's awesome. Tyra Banks, okay, what a snapshot of the times. Mm-hmm. Christine Dunford is the coach at USC. Like, she's a great movie coach. Mm-hmm. A lot of great choices. Who are you? Who are you going with? Who are you debating between? So my my joke answer is Dick Vitale because <laughs> his <laughs> his cameo is great. I feel like Dick. It should be a law that he has to be in every basketball movie doing exactly what he did because it's it it always hits. Yeah, I think so. He's in this. He is in He Got Game, mm-hmm. which did we also did He Got Game, did we not? Yes, we did. We did. did. We, yeah, he was did, also did. perfect in it. <laughs> yeah, I think he is in Blue Chips. I'm not oh. I'm not 100% sure, but it, it seems like something he would be. But it, it is always, it's something that this movie does really well. It is always good, especially in 90s sports movies, when you can get the ESPN angle. You can mm-hmm. bring ESPN in because ESPN was, especially then, was really the right. only, you mm-hmm. know, that, that, so you get in this one, you get Robin Roberts and you get Dickie, you know, Dickie V. Yeah. So my, that was my joke one, but my serious one, and this will kind of move into the big chill, is I think that Alf, Alfrey Woodard as Monica's mom was very good, mainly because of that final scene with her and Monica. Mm-hmm. was just oof it was good but yeah i mean it's hard because like basically everyone that isn't monica or q in this movie could be a selection for this and i think everyone is really solid all the family members are great but i think that one scene just puts her over the edge she's really really good and i think my close second would be q's mom because she does an incredible mm-hmm. job similarly that scene where she reveals that his dad has got the pictures right that scene it's same thing so for me it's like a 1a 1b type thing both based on their emotional one-on-one moments with their kids well with that that scene you're referencing with the big chill i don't think this movie has a sports scene that gives you the chills i don't think it gets to that high and nothing i think the only scene that they would have even tried to make that intention is when when monica gets back on that steal or you know she throws away the ball but gets back and she yeah she takes the charge and then the ref's voice cracks really badly <laughs> when he says no shot no shot <laughs> he was like oh, my career's going to go places from this <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i think big chill could only be that for sports scene big chill it could only mm-hmm. be that or when she takes the court at the staple center for the la sparks game i thought that was yeah. really cool too but it was i think too abrupt from however many years later and then it's immediately there uh so i i couldn't give it to i would give it to that scene with monica and her mom even though it's not a sports moment at all yeah yeah that that's just i'd say probably the emotional height of the movie like yeah. even with the stuff between monica and q i think that one was the um yeah i mean that's that's for just you know talking out like Again, this this movie is a lot about like parent 
parent-child mm-hmm. relationships yep. as much as it is a you know a couple relationship for a couple it's like how how our relationships with our parents mold us as as adults and mold us in our own relationships like that stuff that stuff really matters so this right. movie this movie explores that a lot this movie just does a great job in, in just fleshing fleshing out their the the main characters i think i've, I've repeated that point but I, that's that's where it really you know it succeeds how would you improve it I, I think I've kind of made this clear is I feel like I would change a little bit of the college dynamic. Like, I think it's okay for Q to be kind of a jerk. There are some believable elements to it with the party thing and the whole thing with the the other girl and him acting out. Like, that's all believable. I just think that the the moment that sparked it being the fact that she didn't want to break curfew for this thing that they both know is incredibly important and they could have talked like the next day or she, you know, like there, there was other things to be done there. It just didn't feel like this big, you've burned me moment. And he didn't even explain it until like way later that he couldn't trust anyone. And like, it kind of makes sense. It's like the plot made sense on paper, but as far as like what actually made it into the cut of the film, I felt like wasn't there. So I feel like I, in the third quarter of the college year stuff, I would have maybe, trimmed some of the non-Q and Monica stuff to make the Q and Monica stuff more powerful and make the things that happen later make sense, make their love more clear and make it not just like a late high school and college fling. Because mm-hmm. if, if that's going to be the type of thing that makes you undo a wedding and supposed to stand the test of wave and talk for five years, it needed to be more than just people who started dating once they became freshmen in college. Mm-hmm. I, I think there needed to be a little more there. So that's what yeah. I would have done. Well, when you when it's them, when it's the the main argument or the thing about you know she's got curfew, um, you know she can't stay. We have we have been riding with her in in practice and earning this spot. We realize like how big a deal this is that she has finally gotten the starting spot. We don't really get a lot of what's going on with Quincy and basketball. Like we see, at first things are going well in the court, then things are not going well. We get the one conversation with Zeke about you know people are talking that I'm a lottery pick, but we don't get a lot of what would be the you know, the the big headedness that he would probably be getting or people feeding his ego we don't get any locker room scenes you know locker room scenes of it could have been teammates being like hey man you're going to be a lottery pick like think about what the chicks are going to be like in this you know wherever you get drafted and stuff like that and him because that's what he also kind of gets into is like you know he's he's definitely like entertaining other women and stuff like that like that would be you know, he's got all that going on. And then like, oh, my dad is, you know, has been cheating on my mom. And like, why am I going to, you know, be this honest man when my dad is not? If we would have gotten a little bit more of what's going on with Q behind the scenes and not just um, not just only the conversation with his dad and only the conversation with Monica and only what we see on court, if we would have gotten a little bit of like, we, I don't think we see him like interacting with his friends or anything like that. Whereas we get a lot of that with Monica. We're a lot right. more invested in her and what's going on with her basketball than we mm-hmm. are with cues. And I think there needed to be, I, I am much more interested in Monica, but I think we needed a little more development in cues basketball and to really empathize with him a little bit more, or at least like feel, get a better sense for why he's acting like such a piece of shit. Yeah. I think, that the movie what they were going for and i think it did a pretty good job was they they get across that he's a big man on campus and just in the way that the back and forth scenes are shot i don't know if the girls at usc actually play in that crappy of a gym but that felt like a crime but yeah I, that I, I that, think, that part stunk yeah and maybe things are changed now but 
I mean, I at least where so. I went to school, both teams played in the same big gym. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like the, the women were relegated to a smaller gym. But I feel like what they were trying to go for was they were just trying to paint that with the big man on campus stuff was, was all of that. I, I So I think that they got that across. But, yeah, I think where where that could have used what you are suggesting is when he goes from such an abrupt change without talking to anyone about it of him wanting to go pro – I think that the more damning thing and Monica kind of gets upset with him, but like, this is when she should have been like, okay, bye. This is, this is awful. Like you're terrible communicating is when he says, I'm going to go pro. She's like, when did you decide this? And he goes a couple of days ago. Like she should have said, and you didn't tell me like that is when she should have been like, all right, this, uh, this is a terrible decision. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we're not on the same wavelength here. Like let's, let's, let's pack this one up. Let's go home. You can't talk about enormous life decision with me, your girlfriend, like then this is not going to work at all. So I think, I feel like if if there was going to be this abrupt thing where he makes this decision, I agree with you that you have to make it very clear that a lot of people are telling him he should go pro. It needs to be like over the top, you know, getting courted as much as Ray Allen was in He Got Game type of yes. stuff. And they didn't show any of that. So when he makes that decision, it feels like it's completely out of left field. And then it makes it feel a little unbelievable. And then I think that makes, you know, the other stuff that I'm complaining about also not make sense. So... I mean, the movie's already, like, kind of long, so I don't know what you do. I feel like maybe trim some of the high school stuff, too. Like, the third quarter, I don't. I would have to see, like, how many minutes it was, but it, it seems like it should be the most important part of the film, and maybe it was the longest, but if it was, it wasn't by enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that if they put a little more into that, maybe you trim some of the first and second quarter stuff so that we can get more of these other things, it would make the fourth quarter, and I guess overtime, uh, make more sense. Mm-hmm. The last category before more of a store. This movie is now 21 years old, almost 22 years old. I'm kind of surprised it was, it was successful. It's like it's this movie is in the criterion collection. Very well received. I am kind of surprised that no one has been like, let's make a Netflix series out of this, or let's Mm -hmm. do this. Let's do this. Maybe not. Let's, let's do this again, but at least like, let's make a series out of this because you probably could make a series out of this and expand on all these parts. Although I don't know if I want to see like two episodes of them as kids, but something like that. So what what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I, I don't think a remake is the answer because I think some of the more compelling parts in the later story, if you, if you set it in modern times would not work like these WNBA international play struggles we're mm-hmm. talking about. I, I don't think a prequel would work because then it would have to be about his dad. So I feel like you could do I feel like you could do a sequel and maybe maybe it's a sequel where we fill in the gaps between what happened after the one on one game and then the WNBA stuff. It would be interesting. Like I wanna see what it was like for her to learn that the WNBA was coming about. It would be interesting mm-hmm. to see because I'm not even well aware of how that came to be. I think it would be very interesting and maybe I'll just like do some research now, but like Yeah, we- kinda now that you say that, like I wonder if there's like a good documentary yeah. for us to like, for us to I, check out on that. I I didn't look in the credits to check, but like, was Lisa Leslie on the Sparks in the scene? I feel like they had either Lisa Leslie or someone that looked just like just Lisa like, Leslie, just like Lisa Leslie. But I'm pretty sure it was Lisa Leslie. But I I would be interested to see like how that came about. If you were a really good player and the WNBA was about to start, what was that like? And I'm googling, and they Lisa Leslie, they had someone. I think she's in it. I'm gonna I'll I'm gonna keep googling, but I'm pretty sure she was in it. Um, Lisa Leslie in Love and Basketball. What do we got? Um, uh, she was auditioned for it. Uh, I'm not positive, but 
if they didn't, they did have a player number nine that looked just like her. And the, the unfortunately, the captions cut off, but it sounded like they said Lisa Leslie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I would be very interested to see that kind of stuff. So maybe it's a series where we see the in-betweens and then we get to see her WNBA career. Um, because you could get some interesting stuff of like, when did Q stop playing basketball? Because it looks like he stopped, or did he play? And he's just, you know, it's the off season when the WNBA plays. So yeah, maybe he is still playing. Did he become yeah, a coach? Like, did, yeah, he become a did he did he play again after that? You know, after he blew out his knee. Exactly. So I I would go with sequel, but but starting after the one on one game, so we can mm-hmm. see some of the other stuff. The movie though, like I don't think it needs a remake because it was like pretty pretty ahead of its time in terms of representing the women's game, doing it authentically. Even from a basketball perspective, uh, Monica takes a transition three <laughs> <laughs> on a fast break, which is way ahead of the time. So I feel like Spike did a good job of, it, you know, uh, unlike He Got Game, I don't think there's any big yikes moments of things that didn't age well. Every mm-hmm. Everything that is is like justified of, you know, there are certainly elements of misogyny, but that's because part of this movie takes place in the distant past. So... I think a sequel is what works. Yeah, yeah. If uh, if anyone is listening and knows if if there was a good like creation of the WNBA documentary, I'd be very, be very interested well. in diving I into that. I would love to know because yeah, what happens if you're really good and you're playing in Italy? Does someone go over to you and say, "Hey, by the way, we're gonna start this league. You should join the Houston Comets." Whatever. I was gonna say, were you living in Houston when the Comets? I think I what, don't think so. Started, I think that what, was it started with like, a three peat. Yeah, they were. I want to say they they had a four year consecutive run. I think it was like two thousand. Was it ninety eight to two thousand two or two thousand to two thousand four? Yeah, I didn't like move until like two thousand six. I think they were completely gone from Houston before I moved there, which was a travesty. That's wild. Wild. They were so successful, and the city of Houston decided, no, thank you. So obnoxious. Yeah. But also, RIP to the San Antonio Silver Stars. Gosh, they um, were also yeah. fantastic. But they live on as the Aces, and they're very successful. Now, when I lived in Seattle, I went to a bunch of Storm games and fell in love with that team and sue bird so uh i i have been to my fair share but i was not able to be a part of that wonderful comets you know dynasty the greatest sports team ever in houston wild yeah that's uh yeah that's not undoubtedly (laughs) four years four championships come on that is that more than every houston team combined yeah because of that 2017 astros world series did not count worth shit (laughs) For, of note for listeners, Mike is a Yankees fan. Look, he's not an Astros fan. We 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 had no business being in the ALCS in 2017, <laughs> but the fact that we got to Game Seven against a cheating team, I feel like we could have beat the Dodgers. <laughs> uh... At least the Dodgers fans can join me in being upset about that because that's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> that's true. That okay, fair. fair. <laughs> On that note. Mike, this is great. It is always a pleasure to chop it up with you. Glad we could glad we could watch this movie. I'm glad that you got to watch this movie. I will be very interested whenever you you do rewatch it at some point or even catch a little bit of it to see like second digestion what that's like. But again, tell the folks where they can find your new projects. Sure. So you can the ones I talked about, you can search Modern Muckraker or the newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can go to modernmuck.com or thenewstolympian.com to check those out. And then if you just go to my personal website, schub.es, so just shoops, you can see all the stuff I'm doing. And then on social media, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at shoob17. If you want to see me, you know, tweet uh, stressful things about the Knicks at the time of recording, the game just went to overtime. So, uh, yeah, all caps, tweets about the Knicks, some podcasting jokes, and then, you know, just me yelling about how the world's on fire. Uh, You can catch that (laughs) on social media, baby. 
And all those links will be in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple podcast, rate and leave a review. If you would like to vote in the poll for the next movie that we cover, for the next Patron's Choice movie that we cover, you can go to patreon.com slash bigscreensports. Uh, pick pick us a winner. It's yeah, a good, pick us a winner. It's a good thing. I support it, and I love it. It's some good stuff. Mike does support it. Go support Mike's say, Patreon. Just so it's on the record here, uh, you guys have done incredible work with the Ted Lasso coverage. A plus. Thank you. A plus stuff. Quality Thank episodes. You. Really good stuff. You're always uh, doing a good job pointing out the things I want to hear you guys talk about, which is very nice. So, yeah, great job with all that coverage. I am devastatingly counting down the days until season three comes out because I missed that show dearly already. It's been two weeks. <laughs> Same, same. And and good news for everyone. The next episode of Big Screen Sports is going to be our Ted Lasso season two recap. Ooh, Alex and I are going to break good. down the best moments. We are taking questions from the Big Screen Sports patrons. So if you want to get a question in for that episode Ooh. or drop one of your theories for us to talk about, again, patreon.com slash big screen sports. And yes, we all we all miss Ted Lasso. Everyone go watch Only Murders in the Building to uh to uh, satisfy, I guess, like, I don't know about the feel-goodness of Ted Lasso, but it mm-hmm. just good, good, funny show. Everyone go but watch it, Steve Martin. The, their representation of podcasting is super wrong. I just, yes. before before recording this, my wife was watching the episode where they recorded a podcast in one take and they don't edit it at all. And, and they're and recording they a lot of it? that in, in, in voice memo. Too. Yeah. A lot of it is like stuff on the phone and voice memo from like a, a muffled phone behind a pillow. Ugh. I mean, voice memo like can get the job done. But like the, the main thing was the fact that they didn't run it through any editing software, no cleanup. They just recorded it one take and then upload. You've got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Brazos, great, great, uh, great voice actor. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, subscribe to the podcast. You folks know the drill. Thanks for listening. Mm hmm. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.